You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 750 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Monday evening. And most of today's podcast will be spent with some draft-based mailbag questions that I have some guests lined up for later on, um, Pretty, I would say in the near future, about the NBA draft. But um, people have asked for some draft stuff on the podcast, so in the meantime, in between guests, I figured I got enough questions where I could weigh in with a mailbag. But before we get to all of that, there was a little bit of news that hit on Sunday and then again today. First Sunday, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported that the NBA was uh, at least pondering going uh, the fact that they were going to allow allow teams to start opening practice facilities beginning on May 1st if they were in areas that were shelter-in-place restrictions were easing. And, of course, Georgia has chosen to do that. So there's a lot of um, a lot of attention paid to the Hawks with that reporting, even when the Hawks were not necessarily saying anything about it. Um, things then started to unravel a bit on Monday morning with uh, Travis Schlenk doing an interview with Matt Stewart. Um, and also he did a couple more interviews, with, um, one with one with Adrian Ozerowski, one with Sarah Spencer, et cetera, et cetera. He talked uh, pretty openly on Monday saying that the Hawks had not heard anything official from the league at that point in time. And even if they did hear something, they, they had, quote, no plans, end quote, to open up the practice facility beginning on Friday, which is May 1st. Um, that is obviously a developing story, and it's pretty important to note, number one, that even in the very beginning with the reporting, it was not like they were going to open up for business as usual. It was going to be basically with the mindset of giving giving players an opportunity to work out uh, and not be in public gyms, where some of those are obviously going to be open in Georgia and other places. But alas, the reporting then changed on Monday um, with some uh, additional nuggets coming out, and then finally the NBA making official announcement for the first time on this, saying that the league is now targeting, quote, no earlier than May 8th, end quote, for teams to return to the practice facilities. That's next Friday, about a week and a half from now as the very earliest date for that. And also the announcement from the league came with several restrictions. Um, number one, no, no more than four players can be allowed in the facility at any, at any point in time. No head coaches or assistant coaches, which is interesting to note, could be participating in any workouts. And then also all group activity remains prohibited. So basically they're going to be following social distancing guidelines if these players are allowed into the facilities and the Hawks have not weighed in since the official announcement, but even with the way that Travis Schlenk was talking before this on Monday morning, it feels like it's pretty likely even that the Hawks might not even open on the 8th. Um, they, they, he seems to be taking sort of a wait-and-see approach, waiting for it to see what happens with the rest of Georgia as uh, sort of the gradual reopening takes place. So I'm not going to weigh in with a ton of opinion here, but that's, that's what's going to happen in the moment. Um, you know, the, the earliest that we could see any team, including the Hawks, open up their facility is next Friday. And obviously there'll be more reporting on this in the near future, but that's the latest on that. Nothing is open at this point in time. And even if they do open, it's going to be individual workouts, not practices. And we will uh, keep talking about that as more information comes to pass. Okay, with that out of the way, we'll get to the mailbag questions. And again, these are all draft-related in some way, shape, or form. I will start with a short one here from Jasper, who asks, have you heard Have you heard anything about who the Hawks are actually interested in for the draft, or is it still too early for rumors? Um, the short answer is no. 
But I think Hawks fans have been a little bit spoiled by draft rumors, at least from last year, because obviously Cam Reddish rumors started months and months and months before the draft, and it actually was real. Uh, sometimes when those things start early on, they, it, can be, it can be smoke screens, but the Reddish stuff was obviously tangible, and the Hawks always liked him. I'd heard that for months, going back to like December, January, so it was definitely a very, very early rumor. But most of the time, that is not going to be the case for most things. Uh, and this time, there really is a lack of dra draft rumors, not, not only for the Hawks, but also really across the league. There's been a little bit of something here and there with the Warriors. There was one or two. But for the most part, it is still pretty early. I know time has come to a sort of a standstill right now. But honestly, it's important to note that the entry date for the college guys just happened on Sunday night. And the Final Four would have happened just less than a month ago, so we're still pretty early in the process, even with um, all of the dead zone that's happening right now uh, in terms of time and anything actually happening around the league. It's still very, very early, especially when remembering that the draft may not even happen in, in, in its scheduled time slot. You know, obviously that's late June when it's scheduled. That could be pushed back very easily, so... At the earliest, we still have you know two months before the draft's actually going to happen. So rumors this early, you know, wouldn't necessarily be the norm. And I, by the way, the lottery not even being set yet also contributes to that because if teams don't know where they're picking, like it doesn't really do a lot of good to have rumors about teams being interested in Anthony Edwards if they're picking ninth or tenth in the draft. So that's something to keep in mind as well. So overall, I haven't heard anything buzz-wise about the Hawks, at least that I can report so far. Um, it'll wrap up, I'm sure, in the coming days. The lottery would definitely help that and just knowing the draft order. But uh, overall, I will say it's still quiet in my circles. I've heard you know a little bit of something here or there, nothing I can really report, and nothing I would say that's hugely tangible at this point in time. Next question, and this is sort of a combined one that I wanted to pass along, because people have asked me sort of variations of this over the last week or two. So basically, people were asking about the potential for the Hawks to trade down specifically for Boston's trio of first-round picks. Um, the reason why is... Basically, the fact that there are not a lot of teams that have multiple first-round picks. In fact, I'm looking right now, I think they might even be the only team that has multiple first-round picks. They're definitely the only team that has three first-round picks. So, all the trade-down scenarios, we'll talk more about that as we get going on the podcast today. Um, the ultimate one would be Boston has every reason to try to consolidate. They have a lot of young players, and I can't imagine the Celtics are going to want to take three guys in this class. So if you want to trade down, Boston would make a lot of sense. They have three picks, but just to dive into the sort of logistics of this. Um, I'm going to be using Kevin Pelton's trade chart. It's not perfect by any means, but you might know in the NFL draft, there's this trade chart to kind of tell you what value picks have. The NBA has the same kind of thing with Kevin Pelton and ESPN. It's not the gospel. He'll, he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll be the first person to tell you that, but it's definitely a useful tool to sort of garner value estimates this time of year. And the number one pick um, has is worth 4,000 points on that scale, which is quite a bit. Um, in comparison, Boston's three projected picks, which is 17 26 and 30 those combine for 2260 points so uh, about half of the value of the number one pick um, the number five pick by the way is the closest facsimile that's actually worth 2240 so basically boston's trio of picks are roughly on the trade chart of kevin pelton worth the number five pick uh, in, the, in a standard draft. Number four is in that same range as well, about 2,400. So I do think that in this particular draft, Boston's package would be perfectly reasonable for every pick up to number three overall because this draft is obviously pretty weak. So this is my personal devaluing. I, I think Boston's trio of picks, if, if you were to align it value-wise, would be perfectly reasonable all the way up to number three overall. Part of that is that you know traditionally number one is worth quite a bit more 
And even number two is almost in its own tier by the trade chart in terms of the actual value of that. That's not really gospel, but I do think that Edwards, Anthony Edwards, and, and LaMelo Ball, at least from a value on the market standpoint, that's important to note here, value on the market is in terms of trade value and uh, value in the league. They're kind of in a different tier, in my opinion, at least from what I've heard on the market. You could certainly throw, throw other guys in there, but those, those two guys are the, are the two guys that are pretty much always referenced as, you know, the there are no elite, elite prospects in this class, in my opinion, but those are the guys who I think are most frequently discussed at the top, so they probably have the most trade value. I would have Killian Hayes right there, pretty close to that. There's enough, but there's enough disagreement there on that front to where his actual trade value probably isn't quite as high as those guys. So... All that said, I don't think it'd be crazy at all to trade the number three, four, five, or on on down pick for Boston's package of three picks in a vacuum. Now, the counterpoints of that, though, that the Hawks don't really, quote-unquote, need three rookies right now. They do have more space than Boston does. Boston has pretty much uh, a stockpile of weirdness, plus they're trying to win right now, whereas the Hawks are trying to win more next season, for sure. But adding three more rookies on first-round picks isn't, isn't necessarily a perfect scenario. I do think that I've been pretty vocal on this in the past, but the notion that the Hawks didn't want too many rookies at various points is kind of silly, in my opinion, just because of the roster and the way that things have broken down. But considering the volume of young guys that they do have, they had that core five plus Capella plus Bruno Fernando, etc. I don't think that Travis Schlenk necessarily is going to want three first round picks, especially when they're all in the back half of the first round. I think that actually the value in this class might be more appropriate at those picks than they would be in the lottery, but that's not, that's not necessarily the same thing as uh, trying to find game changers. If you're, if you're just trying to find role players, there, there, there should be some guys available, I would say, with, with those picks. But on the flip side, those picks are a pretty, you know, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty cheap when it comes to paying those players at the end of the first round. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses. I do think that if the Hawks get lucky and draw the number one or two pick, maybe another three pick, they're not going to trade it for three first rounders from Boston. Um, if the Hawks get, you know, seven or six, and Boston comes calling and offers all three picks, which actually would surprise me. But if they did that, I think you have to consider it, frankly. Um, just from the value from the value perspective, uh, it makes sense for Boston to try to consolidate. The Hawks, you could try to consolidate there as well. But with draft picks and all that stuff, you know, it's not a perfect match by any means. But if the Hawks were to land in that 4-5 range and Boston actually offered it, there's a pretty interesting discussion to be had. Um, because, the, you know, as much as the Hawks don't necessarily need three more guys, um, they probably need three more guys more than Boston does. So all that to say, that's the most, you know, draft only rumor it's important to note that you could you definitely can trade down without just trading for first round picks this season but if you're going to try to do one of those you know pick for pick trades and trade down boston is the team that has multiple picks um so other than new york by the way new york has two picks but the one of them is very late with, with the clippers um everybody else has uh one pick so there you go on that Okay, before we get to the rest of the podcast and some more of your questions, I want to talk to you about the good folks at Blinkist. Let me tell you about one of the ultimate life hacks. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development, but there's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser, and it takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes so you can read or listen to all of the content. Successful people like business leaders are well known for reading a lot of books, and Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to read a book on tape during your commute or on your lunch break or while you even exercise. 12 million people 
are using Blinkist right now and has a massive growing library from self-help business, health to history books. Blinkist has a latest has all the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as classic nonfiction titles that you always meant to read but never had time to. So with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA to try it free for seven days and save 25% off a new subscription. That is Blinkist.com spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start a seven-day free trial. From there, you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA, Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right, and we're back with more questions. The next one comes from David. And he says, in reading about this draft and hearing you and others talk about it, it seems like the number one pick just isn't that valuable for the Hawks. If everything else was equal, would you even want to win the lottery? I know that sounds crazy compared to how we've all talked about it in the past, but it's a lot of money for a pick that isn't as safe as it normally would be. Um, first thing, it's, it is a lot of money for sure. The, first, the number one overall pick starts at almost $9 million a year and goes up from there. So it's considerable money. Uh, you know, rookie scale contracts are usually pretty cheap. And as a result of that, that cost control is very helpful. But... Um, number one overall pick this year is not on the level of number one pick like Zion or like Luca would have been or Carl Anthony Towns or any of those guys. There are some drafts that don't have that guy in this draft. I don't really see that guy. The closest that you can come is LaMelo Ball, but for the Hawks, not necessarily the case. So, um, I have Bell, I have Ball at number one, but you know, as the Hawks, for instance, I wouldn't value him as a traditional number one, number one overall pick because of Trey Young, et cetera, et cetera. So it's already devalued a little bit for the Hawks. I think a lot of people would have Anthony Edwards number one. That's very defensible as well. And in fact, if you made me choose someone as the Hawks and told me I couldn't trade the pick and said, you have, you have number one pick, you can't trade it, I would probably take Edwards. Um, I, I don't love that, but uh, it's just one of those things that would have to happen in this class. So not a ring endorsement of uh, this pick necessarily, but uh, in the end, the short answer is yes, I would still want the number one pick because value-wise, value teams should always want the number one pick, even if they only want to trade it, um, you know, Am I super excited about paying, you know, $40 million over four years to Anthony Edwards if I'm the Hawks? Probably not, but at the same time, um, trading it would make a lot of sense. And don't get me wrong, I don't think you're going to get the kind of haul that you normally would, but if you put the for sale sign out with a number one overall pick, you're going to get some offers that are at least enticing. You're going to get more value from that pick, even if you trade it for, even if you sell low and take a bad offer for it, it's still going to be more value than you would have with a number three pick or number four pick. So... I think overall that is the move, and there's always going to be a team that's going to want to get the number one pick. A team, for instance, like like Detroit, somebody somebody that has to have like a star upside, like the Hornets or the Pistons or something like that, might want to look a little bit harder than the Hawks would to trade up and uh, maybe fall in love with Lamelo Ball, etc. Or Anthony Edwards. There you go on that. But regardless, I think for the Hawks, I'd want the pick more to trade it than actually make the pick. Obviously. Um, even without the King's Ransom that you would normally get in some years. But um, whatever you can get is uh, for the number one pick is still better than what you're going to get at three, four, or five. You uh, get unlucky in the lottery. So uh, you still want to win it. I know it's not necessarily the same vigor this time around that it was with Zion last year about winning the lottery. But uh, at the end of the day on lottery night, you still want to root if you're the, if you're a Hawks fan for the number one pick because that's, that's just the reality situation. You can just trade it if you don't want to actually make that pick. Okay, next question comes from Justin. This is going to be the last one, actually. I might, I might go a little bit longer on this one, but with no other context, should the Hawks trade down, stay put, or trade the pick for a player? So, people listening to the podcast know that I am big on context, so I can't do the no other context thing. Sorry, Justin, for that. Um, but I would say the absolute short version of this answer would be, uh, in in my order, 
I would say trade the pick for a player, number one, trade down, number two, stay put at number three. Um, that could change based on where the Hawks actually land, but if the, that, that's if the Hawks land in the top three or so, um, just because of where the value is on that. Now, I'll dive in a little bit deeper here. Um, that assumes the Hawks pick wherever it lands will be valuable enough on the market to actually get a good player on a good contract with a trade. It also assumes that Atlanta's publicly stated goal of making the playoffs next year actually matters to them. And I think it does. Um, maybe not like life or death or, you know, job security kind of stuff there, but the Hawks do want to make the playoffs. They're going to have to show improvement again um, next season to do that. And uh, I think they're going to want to try to speed it up a little bit when it comes to the rebuild for that. And also, um, the last one of this, I would say, as I said before, it kind of assumes that the Hawks have a pretty high pick here. If they follow six, seven, eight, you know, you could certainly quibble with the value of that pick in a trade. I might be better off in that scenario just, st- just staying put, drafting a guy like Devin Vassell or you know someone that they like, that they like as a role player in that range who isn't going to be a star but does a lot of things well. That's actually pretty um, defensible. Whereas at the top, if they're three or four in particular, um, might might be a little bit dicey depending on who goes in front of them, et cetera, et cetera. So. At any rate, I do think the great unknown of what the Hawks could actually get for that pick is going to be something to actually pretty, uh, I would say, monitor pretty closely here. People always ask me who they, who, they, who they could trade this pick for, and honestly, I have no idea because it's virtually impossible without actual intel to decipher stuff like that. They're not going to get a star with the number six pick, for instance. If they get the number one pick, could they trade it for a really good player? I mean, probably. It depends on who actually um, wants to trade for that pick, but... Obviously, as we talked about a second ago, the number one pick has a real value in a way the number six pick won't on the trade market. Um, same thing with two or three versus six or seven. Um, but could they trade that pick for a really good player? Probably. I, d- I think it is, import- it is important to figure out which team is trading for it. I think you know, trying to find players that are legitimate, you know, borderline even stars, like top 30, top 40 players in the league who actually would be available in trade this summer is kind of hard. Maybe you talk about guys like Bradley Beal, maybe someone like Drew Holiday, maybe someone like you know Donovan Mitchell if the uh, weirdest there continues in Utah. Those guys are all not ideal fits in Atlanta, and they're probably closer to like the 30th best player in the league than they are to the top 10. But at the same time, those guys are all good. They would they would definitely help you. Would they be available with the number one pick? You know, maybe we'll see. I don't I don't really know how that all goes, but we're we're definitely guessing. There's not really a single player, honestly, that's like definitely going to be available in trade this summer, like you might expect. There are guys who, who you expect to be at least somewhat available that, you, that you've heard rumors about in the past, but there you go on that. There's just a lot of uncertainty there. I do think that, you know, I have no idea who's going to be available. That's kind of the uh, end statement there. Guys like Aaron Gordon could be there. I throw, I throw his name out in the past. If you were to get like the fifth pick, uh, would you rather have Aaron Gordon or the fifth pick? I think I'd probably rather have Aaron, Aaron Gordon. But regardless, we'll uh, sort of dive into that more as we get going. But in the end, I think... People shouldn't ignore trading out of the draft completely as an option. That's something that I wanted to definitely make sense of and say out loud. I'm covering the draft quite a bit. I love the draft. I think the draft is a great place for especially rebuilding teams to, to uh, sort of increase their stockpile of talent. At the same time, with where the Hawks are now, I would not be bothered if they were to trade out of the draft completely. Number one, it's a kind of a bad draft. Number two, you know, they're in this spot now where, yeah, they could certainly draft a rookie that could help them in a year or two. Or if they really want to make the playoffs this year, would it make more sense to draft to draft someone at number six overall who might be a role player for you in a year or two, or trade that pick for a guy who's a good role player right now? That's sort of the calculus here. And again, you, you never know who's going to be available, but it's all stuff that you have to say and uh, sort of evaluate. So overall, I would be okay if they traded out. In fact, I think you know all things equal, which things are not always equal or almost ever, um, trading out entirely would not be a bad idea in this class. Now. 
I'm also on record about this being a trade-down draft almost regardless. That said the same thing last year, of course, and famously the Hawks traded up um, against what I would have advised, even though I liked DeAndre Hunter quite a bit. I think the value of that was not ideal, and this is going to be the same exact kind of thing. Honestly, worse. Last year, I said this multiple times on the podcast, but the only way that you would trade up in the lottery last year, in my opinion, was to trade up for Zion. And obviously that, that was going to take the hall of all halls, and that, 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 actually, didn't, that actually didn't happen. Now, you know, and by the way, that was because Jaw was a point guard and they already had Trey Young. But um, this year, there's not a single player. I'll say this out loud right now. You know, within reason, I guess, if you want to like get a great deal on a player and you want to go from four to three to get Anthony Edwards and give up a small asset, that isn't the worst thing in the world. But if you're going to pay market value to trade up in this class, I would I just wouldn't do it as the Hawks. Or you know, maybe if you're a team that needed a point guard, you can convince me that going up for the for the mellow ball was a good idea. But otherwise. No, thank you. So I wouldn't trade up at all. I think trading down is the move almost regardless. I touched on the number one pick earlier on the podcast, but even below that, trading down from two or three or four or even six or seven wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. You know, obviously the Boston stuff is out there, but maybe you could do what like like Phoenix did last year. Phoenix traded the number six pick in last year's draft for number 11 and Dario Saric. Now, what the Suns did at number 11 with Cam Johnson is not what I would have done with that pick, but value-wise... 6 for 11 in Saric was a deal that made sense to me. They dropped five spots. I know that's that's not nothing, but they added a quality rotation player in Saric, and the, and the gap between 6 and 11 in last year's draft just wasn't very big. It never was going to be very big. Um, you know, I like Jarrett Culver a lot. He was available there, so they took him um, at 6, the Wolves. But, you know, at number 11, you could have gotten several guys who were good basketball players. Uh, Brandon Clark would have been the guy that I would have picked at that spot, but Brandon Clark, you know, was not the only one. They had there's plenty of guys available who could who could seriously play at eleven. And Saric is like a solid rotation player. He's not like he's not incredible, but if you're the Hawks and you can get a solid rotation player plus keep a lottery pick, that kind of deal, whether it's on the table or not, would make a lot of sense in this class. So trading down is not always for multiple picks in that same draft. It could be for one pick in this draft and one in the next draft. Could be for a player and a future pick or a player a player and a current pick. There's lots of forms that could take on, but that same construction kind of makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways here for Atlanta. So keep that in mind as we get going. Um, and also finally, the stay put option is probably the most likely, even with all that said, just because staying put is just what most teams end up doing in the draft. There's always some trades, but you know, more picks than not are teams staying where they're supposed to be picking. And they actually do that. I think again, I'll say this a lot between now and the lottery, especially if the Hawks are the number one pick, I think Travis Schlang should put the for sale sign out immediately and leave it out until the draft. I think if I am the Hawks at number one, I just would not pick a player. That's just, unless you just get absolutely no offers, which I can't imagine would be the case, um, you know, take whatever value you can get from that pick. Um, if you make me just stand there, take anything words, I guess, but I would have the for sale sign out for a month or longer, however long it takes. Just uh, garner offers, make it as uh, freely available as you possibly want, and see what happens there. But if they get number two, Sure, Edwards might be a reasonable thing there, but I, I, even then, I'd still be uh, taking offers to trade down from any spot in this class. I think that, obviously, Travis might have a guy or two in the class that he really likes, and if you get them, he'll probably want to do that because we've seen in the past that he really trusts his evaluations. We saw that with Trey. We saw that with, obviously, Reddish and especially Hunter last year. They definitely you know went in and overpaid for Hunter, but they, that's the guy they wanted, and I think Travis uh, trusts his scouting eye in a, in a big way, so... That could happen in this class. He could have a guy or two that he already loves and even get those guys. He'd probably just do it. But at the same time, I think just value-wise in this class, it is a trade-down class. I will keep saying that. I said the same thing last year. I'll say it again now. 
It's a trade down class. Doesn't mean you have to trade down, but it certainly should be on the table as an option. Um, this year's class is different, to be sure, but they could use a, uh, you know, there's lots, lots of stuff that the Hawks could still use from this class, even if I've crapped on it quite a bit, and I probably still will. There are guys in this class that I like as probably supporting pieces. Like, there's a bunch of combo guards that could make sense on a team with, like the Hawks to play alongside Trey and also back them up a little bit. Guys like Killian Hayes or Tyrese Maxey or Tyrese Halliburton could all have real appeal to the Hawks at certain spots in the draft. They could use a two-way wing like Devin Massell. They could use um, like a, this sort of defense, ball mover, um, local kid like, like Isaac Okora. They could use a combo four like Danny Adia. They have stuff that they could certainly use in this class down the line I just think that it's uh you know worthy of exploring but I think it you know, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if the Hawks just stay put at five or six or three and draft the guy they want um we'll talk about that more as we get especially when we get draft order but hopefully that answers the question um I don't love you know I don't love trading up but anything else on the table whether it be trading out trading down or uh you know simply staying pat that would uh, all work for me in various scenarios, but we'll touch on that more as we get going and hope I, hopefully that answers the question of Justin. Okay, that's uh, going to do it for today's podcast. Please subscribe to the pod. We've had plenty of guests in the recent past. We had Zach Hood recently. We've had Ben Ladner for three uh, season review shows. We've had lots of NBA draft content. Tower Jones was here recently as well. Plenty of content already on, on the pod. If you're a new listener, thank you for joining us for the first time or the second time or third time. Please hit the subscribe button. Please tell a friend or two or three about the show, and uh, we'll see you all later on in the week.